Sarah for the remarkable job she did last week. She keeps preaching like that. I'll be uh, the custodian of the church in a couple of weeks. Um, we are very blessed uh, uh, to have uh, uh, Sarah on our team, and I'm personally very proud of her. I want to follow up on what Jacob said. I believe there are four people here today. I don't know who you are, but I believe there are four people here today that if you would listen to the Lord whisper to your heart, you would, uh, you would connect with our children's ministry and you would change some children's lives. Uh, well, I don't believe all of you can do it. Some of you, I don't think... Uh, have the patience to be around kids so you don't volunteer I don't want you <laughs> but some of you have a gentle heart and it could make all the difference in a kid's life you may be the first one uh, other than in their family to make uh, uh, them feel special and uh, there isn't anything that can take the place of that so you listen in your heart and see if God is whispering to you and see if you can't be one of the people that God uses to get a kid on the right track the rest of their life. Our dear Heavenly Father, uh, you are a God of fresh starts. You like to, new, you like to do new things in new ways. And when I read the Bible, I see you uh, inspiring people to think in different ways, to act in more bold ways, to try things that haven't been tried before. And when I see that, it resonates in my heart. So I pray that you could teach us this morning the, uh, the incredible things you do when we're willing to try something new. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Sheridan and I read a book on uh, President Garfield, and a couple of weeks ago, we got in the car and drove over to Minter because that's where President Garfield's museum is. I, I don't know if you've ever been over there. It's worth the drive. And we drove over there, and, and uh, uh, we had a guided tour through the, the house, the museum. Uh, we saw a bunch of his, uh, the artifacts of his life. Very, very interesting. Uh, Garfield was a uh, college professor and uh, uh, a lay preacher for the Disciples of Christ Church. And uh, when the Civil War broke out, uh, the governor of Ohio asked Garfield to recruit uh, a company. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not good with the military words, but he asked him to recruit a, a, a group of men and made him the, um, the colonel over the men that he recruited. Uh, 
Garfield had no military experience at all. Uh, he was a college professor. And Garfield took those men, and their assignment was the uh, rebels had invaded Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, and uh, the governor of Ohio did not want a rebel army on the Ohio River. So their job was to drive the rebels out of Kentucky. And so he took his men, and in a uh, totally unorthodox move, divided his troops up into three groups and attacked the rebels. It made the rebels think there were a whole lot more of them than they were, and so with a relatively easy fight, they retreated back to Tennessee. It's remarkable what can happen when people are willing to try something new. Garfield had never led troops. He had never been in the Army. He didn't know much about uh, uh, at all. But he was a thoughtful man, and he was creative, and he was willing to try. And uh, 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 because he drove those troops out of um, uh, Kentucky, they promoted him to a general. Uh, I wonder what amazing thing you might be able to accomplish if you were willing to try something new. I, I wonder what undeveloped potential is in you right now, and the only thing it is needed to draw that potential out of you is for you to be willing to try something new, or doing the same old thing you've always done, but doing it in a new way. In Mark's Gospel, we uh, uh, encounter uh, this incredible story. Jesus had just gone on a preaching tour. He had preached all over Galilee. And he came back to Capernaum. And when people found out that he was in this house at Capernaum, they just all went there. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus. Everyone who was sick, hope to be healed. And so uh, the yard was full. The street in front of the house was full. Uh, people were swarming into the backyard. Everywhere people could crush in, they crushed in. And uh, there was a man in the town who was paralyzed. He was a paralytic. And uh, he couldn't drag himself to Jesus. But it turns out that he had four good friends. And his four friends came rushing over to his house, and they said, Jesus is in town, and we're going to put you on that bed. We're going to carry you over there. We're going to do whatever we have to do to get you in front of Jesus so he can heal you. The paralytic said, let's go. And his four buddies picked up the bed he was on, and they carried him to the house where Jesus was. But there was such a big crowd, they couldn't get anywhere near Jesus. And so they looked around, and they looked around, and they just refused to give up. And all of a sudden, one of the four said, I've got it. 
the houses in Capernaum were all flat-roofed houses, and often people used the flat roof of their house like a patio. People would set up there, and, and uh, it, it would be a, a, a comfortable place to sit. So most of these houses had staircases that went up one side of the wall. And the guy with the bright idea said, we're going to take him up on the roof, we're going to tear the roof off the house, and we're going to lower him down in front of Jesus. I can just hear the safe guy in the bunch, uh, I'm not sure we should do that. Uh, uh, we might get in trouble. Uh, 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 who's going to pay for this? But they picked the guy up, carried him up the steps, went on the top of the house, started taking the tiles off the roof. Can you imagine the people in the house are looking up and stuff's falling down? And, and they, uh, they took the tiles off the roof, and they took ropes and tied it onto the bed, and they lowered this guy right down into the room in front of Jesus. Uh, you want to talk about cutting in line, this is the ultimate line cut of all times. And when the, when the, when the guy got lowered down in front of Jesus, uh, I, I have to, in my imagination, I almost see Jesus chuckling. I almost see him chuckling at uh, uh, the creativity of these guys. And uh, Jesus said, uh, your faith has saved you. Jesus said, I forgive you of whatever sins you've committed. There were a group of scribes there who were very, very, very religious. And they were very critical. And they were always looking for anything anybody did or said wrong. And when they heard Jesus, they, they totally ignored what was happening. And when they heard Jesus say to this man, your sins are forgiven, they were immediately offended. And they said, who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sin? This is blasphemy. And Jesus said to them, uh, you people have issues. What do you think? Is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your bed and walk? What, what, what do you think is easier? Is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say to a man who is absolutely paralyzed, get up and walk? And then Jesus said, you need to know that I have the authority to forgive sin on earth. And he said to the paralytic man, rise, take up your bed and walk. And he was healed. He got up picked up that bed, and carried it home. I believe in this story, we can learn some things about uh, 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 trying new things. 
First of all, Jesus was, um, uh, he was a man who was on the move. If he wanted to, he could have stayed in one place and asked everybody to come to him. That's what happened at the temple. If you wanted to do the Jewish rituals, you had to go one place, and that was the temple. But Jesus said, I'm going to do something new. I'm not going to make the people come to me. I'm going to go to them. I'm going go to the, I'm gonna go to all the towns in Galilee, and I'm going to preach the gospel to every town in Galilee. I wonder, uh, I wonder, I, w I would have liked to have been on that preaching tour with Jesus and listen to all the variety of sermons he preached. I can't believe for a second that Jesus wasn't so creative that in every town he preached a different sermon. I can't believe he wrote one sermon and went to all the towns and preached the same one. Uh, I, I honestly believe that he had, a, he had a, a, a specific sermon for each town. Uh, he tried something new. I want to suggest that you think about trying something new and saying the things you want to say in a different way. Listen to this. Uh, if saying it the way you are saying it worked, you wouldn't have to say it ten times. Hey, hey, mom and dad, if saying it the way you're saying it worked, your kids would have got it a long time ago. So if you hear yourself saying, how many times do I have to say... You need to go look in the mirror and say, you got to figure out how to say this differently. Church, try something new. If the way you're saying it doesn't work, try saying it in another way. Uh, ladies, if you don't think your husband's listening to you, maybe if you said it in a different way, you might hear it in a different way. I'm just throwing it out there. It's just a suggestion. Uh, brothers, if you don't think your spouse is listening to you, you might say it in a different way. Uh, Jesus, uh, when I read the Gospels, Jesus was a, a, a brilliant person at saying it in a different way. Some of the parables he rewrote, and the theme is the same, but he says the parable in a different way. Uh, he models for us working on life and paying attention and learning how to say the important things we want to say in a different way. I believe this is especially true if you want to talk to a friend about Christ. I, I, I believe that a lot of people, somebody in their life has talked to them about Christ. But usually, they've talked to them about Christ in a pushy and a, um, a uh, uncomfortable way. I want to suggest you try something new. And, and instead of trying to persuade somebody about Christ, just tell them something beautiful about Christ. Leave the persuasion to the Holy Spirit. And you just say, you know, 
I read this about Jesus in the Gospels, and I find it very, very interesting. Just change your approach, and instead of trying to persuade them, tell them beautiful things about Jesus Christ, because that's what the Holy Spirit will use. Uh, the, uh, uh, the four men in, in this story who brought the paralytic to Christ, uh, they were ready to try something new. They loved their friend. They were sad that he was paralyzed. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a pain to their hearts. Uh, and they said, uh, we're going to try something new. We're going to pick him up and we're going to carry him to Jesus because we believe Jesus can help him. Uh, of course, the crowd blocked their way. And now they're confronted with one of these obstacles in life. They're trying to do something good, but they're being kept from doing it. They can't get through all those people. So they have two options. They can say to their buddy, hey, we tried. We can't get you in. Uh, I guess it's not meant to be. And they could give up and carry him home. Or they could stand there a little bit and say, this isn't going to work the way we thought it was, but it doesn't mean we can't figure this out, and it doesn't mean we can't get this guy in there. Do you hear this? Often in life, the obstacle isn't to keep you from getting it done. The obstacle is to challenge you to do it in a different way. It is remarkable what might happen if we would look at obstacles and say, this is God's way of saying to me, I need to try this in a different way. God wants to do something different in my life, and this obstacle is his way of saying to me, this does not mean no, it means I want you to develop and mature something within you, and you got to try to do this in a different way than what you were planning. Uh, I also think it's interesting that they had to tear the roof off the place. Um, do you know sometimes we have to deconstruct some things in our lives before we can construct things in our lives? Uh, I, I think this parable is saying is uh, sometimes we've built up habits. Sometimes we've built up routines. Sometimes we've built up assumptions and prejudices. And if we're really going to try something new, we have to tear those down before we can try something new. Can you hear this? They couldn't get the man into the building without tearing the roof off. I think sometimes we can't get done in life what God wants to do unless we're willing to dismantle some things that we've built in our lives. Uh, until we're willing to dismantle some ways of thinking that aren't healthy, some habits that aren't healthy, uh, some uh, uh, opinions that aren't healthy. And if I'm going to try something new, I often have to look at the routines and the habits that I've created and restructure them. I'm also interested that uh, it took a team to get this done. So it's always easier to try new things on a team than all by yourself. Huh? Um, 
Uh, have you ever gone out to eat and uh, there's something new on the menu and, and you're thinking about trying it? Uh, uh, I never try it myself. <laughs> I say, you try it. Uh, uh, but it is fun if you're going to try something new to have your family or friends there and you do it together. Um, uh, if you're, if you're going to try an activity that you've never done, it, it, the group makes trying something new more doable. So instead of trying something new all by yourself, uh, recruit some people and do it together. Uh, 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 talk to your life group. Maybe your life group can do it together. Uh, talk to the ministry team you're on. Maybe the ministry team can do it together. But it turns out in life, the challenge of trying something new gets easier if, you have, if you're doing it as a group and not all by yourself. I'd hate to be the guy who had to drag the guy's bed all the way over there myself. I'd hate to be the guy who bumps that bed up the steps. I'm afraid I'd roll him out and drop him on the ground. Uh, uh, these, these, these beautiful moments where good things happen because we try something new, they're best done as a group. Uh, trying something new always takes faith. In verse 5, Mark 2, 5, Jesus saw these men and he saw their faith. If you're going to try to live life in a new way, if you're going to try to think in a new way, if you're going to try to create some new habits, if you're going to try to do the same old thing in a different way, it requires faith. Uh, faith is uh, the substance of what you hope for. It's the proof of the facts you can't see. Now listen to this. If I have proof for facts I can't see, it's easier for me to try something new. If I don't have faith, if I don't have any proof for facts I can't see, it gets immensely harder for me to try something new. But when you have faith in Christ, you have this inner confidence, you have this inner proof that God is good and that he loves you and he's going to help you through this new thing, and, you're, and you have the faith to try the new. Can you hear me, church? I believe that God wanted the man who was paralyzed to have a new life. I believe that was God's heart's desire. Uh, uh, I believe the, the Holy Spirit encouraged his friends to carry him over there. I believe the heart of God was refreshed when these men brought that man to Christ and, and Christ was able to heal him. I honestly believe, church, if you and I had the faith to do what God is prompting us to do, to try what God is prompting us to try, we would accomplish more than we have accomplished and our Christian life would be more interesting. And so they lowered the man in front of Jesus. And the very first thing Jesus did was he looked at this man and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Uh, more than that man needed a physical healing, he needed a spiritual healing. And Jesus looked at him and said, son, the very first thing he said is, son, your sins are forgiven. I know that there are people who are sitting in this room right now that the first thing you need to hear is your sins are forgiven. You, you, you came in here with an awareness. Uh, you came in here with a, a burden on your heart. Uh, you came in here with uh, regret. And some of you have been carrying that a long time. I want you to hear Jesus say to you this morning, your sins are forgiven, church. And when you hear that, I want you to try something new. I want you to try doing exactly what Jesus did, and the first thing you do is to forgive the sins of others. Listen, some of you need to try a new approach to life. And that new approach to life is the first thing you do is forgive, not the last thing you do, church. Uh, some of you are very, very tight with your forgiveness. You have, a whole, you have a whole process that you put people through before you forgive them. Well, I will forgive them when they do this and this and this and this. I'll forgive them after they have suffered this. And your forgiveness is not, it's never the first thing you try. It's always the last resort. And some of you are sitting here this morning with things you haven't forgiven that happened decades ago. I want you to try something new. I want you to try something brand new. And this week, instead of the last thing you do for, is forgive, I want you to try something new. The first thing you do is forgive. Church, I wonder, I wonder if you can be enough like Christ that before this man, this man never repented, he never said, I'm sorry. He, we, he doesn't say a thing in the whole story. Before the man said anything, Jesus said, I forgive you. I wonder, I wonder what burden you might take off your heart if the first thing you tried was forgiveness. I wonder what your home would look like, how differently your home would look if the first thing you did was forgive. I wonder, uh, uh, parents, I wonder what transformations you might see in your kids if the first thing you did was forgive. I wonder how it might change your workplace and all those petty resentments and all that uh, sniping at each other behind your, each other's back. I wonder how it might change your workplace if the first thing you did was forgive. Because Jesus said, I want you to try something new. Do what I did. The first thing I did was forgive the man. Can you forgive your family and friends? Can you forgive your opponents? And this is the hard question. Can you forgive yourself? Some of you have learned to forgive others, but you haven't ever learned that Christ says to you, your sins are forgiven. 
if Christ can forgive you, certainly you can try something new and forgive yourself. Well, then the scribes, they get all lit up. The scribe says, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? These, if you read this, it says they uh, questioned in their heart. They, uh, they, that, was their, that was their critical self-talk. Jesus could hear their thoughts, and their critical self-talk was, who does this guy think he is? Your inner dialogue is either a help or an obstacle to trying something new. You know you have an inner dialogue, right? Self-talk, that voice in your head that's talking to you all the time. That voice will either help you try something new or it will hinder you from trying something new. The scribe couldn't see the beauty of what Christ was doing because their inner self-talk was so ugly and so critical. I wonder how many times you and I miss the goodness of God because of critical inner self-talk. I wonder how many times the Holy Spirit could have encouraged us to try something new, but that critical voice in our head just couldn't hear him. They rejected that Christ could forgive them, this man. Listen, listen. Before you reject a new idea or a new approach to life, before you say no to trying something new, make sure you understand it. These guys were saying no, and they didn't even understand what Jesus was doing. Before you say no to a new idea, before you say no to a new approach to life, make sure you understand it. No shouldn't be your first response. Your first response should be, I'm going to think about that, church. Before you start proving the other person wrong, make sure you understand what they're thinking. Before you criticize what the other person is doing, make sure you understand what they're doing. We, we ruin our opportunities to grow and develop and try something new because we oppose it before we even understand it. Before you reject a new idea or a new approach to life, challenge your own assumptions. Uh, I wonder, can we all be real honest with ourselves? Has there ever been a time in your life that you were absolutely sure you were right and it turned out you were wrong? Huh? Anyone? There have been times... I was absolutely sure I was right. And we looked it up, and doggone it, wouldn't you know, uh, I hate it when that happens. Uh, it's hard on my know-it-all. Uh, uh, all right. I wonder how many times in life we assumed something we were sure we were right, and so we responded in a way that kept us from uh, accepting a new idea or a new approach to life because we were so sure we were right, and, and, and in fact, we weren't right at all. 
church? How many times have we let our assumptions keep us from trying something new that God wants us to try or thinking in a different way? Simply because we insisted on our assumption and we didn't take the time to really look into it and, and, and really make it a learning moment. Jesus challenged the scribes' resistance with two questions, a why question and a, a which question. Uh, Jesus said, uh, why do you have this dialogue in your heart? Jesus is asking the scribes to do some introspection what's going on in you that you're thinking in the angry way that you're thinking what's going on in you that you're thinking in the pessimistic way you're thinking what's going on in you that you're thinking in the hopeless way you're thinking you see Christ wants us to take a good look at ourselves. And sometimes we run into obstacles where we just can't do it the way we've always done it because Christ wants to say, now just a minute, you take a good look at yourself. You take a good look at what's going on in your thinking. And perhaps this is a moment where you can change and, and, and you can confront some of that resentment, resistance, hopelessness, pessimism, whatever. The second question he asks, uh, which is easier? Is it easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Uh, what struck me about this question is, uh, what if I said to myself from time to time, what is really easier? to do it in the same old way I've always done it, or maybe to learn a better way of doing this, it might make life easier. Church? Uh, just because I've gotten in the habit of living this way, just because I've gotten in the rut of doing it the same way all the time, it doesn't mean that there isn't a better and easier way to do it. Perhaps you run into an obstacle because God has a better way for you and the obstacle will cause you to try something new and you'll be able to live life in the better way God wanted you to live it. But Christ said, I want you to know, scribes, that I do have authority to forgive sin on earth. As Christ's partners in life, we should be creatively innovating. As Christ's partners in life, we should be looking at our daily lives. We should be looking at what we have to do, what we have to accomplish. As a church, we should be looking at things and saying, how can we be innovators with Jesus Christ? Just because we've done it this way for the last 10 years doesn't mean it has to be done that way for the next 10 years church uh, uh, just because this has been the routine it doesn't mean it, mean it should continue to be the routine uh, uh, Jacob brought up that we had our leadership planning session and uh, uh, 
we grind hour after hour examining everything in the church and saying, where are we? What are we doing that works? What are we doing that doesn't work? What new possibilities might we have? All right. Somehow or another, people got the idea, because of church tradition, that God doesn't want to change anything. That everything is supposed to be the same as it was in the Reformation uh, 500 years ago. That's not true, church. God is infinitely creative. And in his creativity, he invites us to be innovators. Uh, 41 years ago, uh, uh, what was the normal routine for a church uh, wasn't working for this church. And we innovated. We started doing things differently. Uh, we weren't like the traditional church. And there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, uh, we, the, the first time we brought a drum kit on the stage, a guy got up and stormed out of the church. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to go to a, I'm not going to a rock and roll show. He's there. Uh, listen, church, listen. The churches that didn't innovate, they're empty today. Can you hear this? Drive around and look at empty churches. It's not that they didn't love God. It's not that they didn't try. It's that they had it in their head that the only thing they had to do is always keep doing everything the way it had been done. They couldn't imagine a creative God. They couldn't imagine an innovative God. They couldn't imagine that you can sit down and you can think, what's happening in our culture, and how can we use that to capture people's attention for Jesus Christ? God is infinitely creative. He is an innovator, and he's asking us to partner with him in innovation. Here's what I believe. Is what I believe. In the very same way that we innovated over the 41 years ago, and we created a new approach that filled our church with baby boomers, in the coming years, we're going to have to innovate again. Because uh, baby boomers, uh, you look in the mirror lately? Uh, uh. All right. And in the same way, uh, the, the, the people who grew up in this church, uh, they're going to want to create a church that can reach their generation. Are you hearing me? And it is consistent, it is completely consistent with Christ's approach to ministry. Christ tried new things. He innovated. Uh, the Apostle Paul tried, a new, tried new things. He innovated. There's, and then the last verse in this paragraph says that um, the man rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God. When we innovate, when we try new things, when we are effective in creating new things, the very first thing that happens is people are amazed. Church, it's amazing when a church gets it right. 
It's amazing when a creative person like you does something and gets it right. Could I say, there's nothing amazing about stagnation. There is nothing amazing about stagnation. There is nothing amazing about boring life habits. Nobody ever was amazed when they looked at a boring life. Nobody ever left a boring church and go, man, wasn't that amazing? Uh, they get out the door and go, man, am I glad to be out of there. Listen, uh, Christ amazed people. He didn't bore anyone to death. And he amazed people because he broke the stagnations of life. He turned over the boring life habits. He created new things. He said new things. He acted in new and amazing ways. I also want to say, you might amaze yourself. When was the last time you were amazed with yourself? Just asking. Uh, uh, come on, it's not egotistical to, to accomplish things in life and say, man, I'm getting stuff done. Church, that's not pride. Uh, pride is, uh, you're a loser, don't you wish you were like me? Uh, but if you're, really, uh, if you're living well, there's nothing wrong with saying, man, that's amazing, I'm glad I did that. Church, when was the last time you amazed yourself? When was the last time you tried something new? You gave it your all. Something beautiful happened, and, and you gave yourself a high five. Man, it's getting it done. Church, uh, I believe that if we're willing to try something new, we might even end up amazing ourselves. The second thing that happened was God was glorified. When Jesus did something new, God was glorified. Do we want to glorify God in our church? Then we have to try new things. If we're going to be a church that continually glorifies God, we have to try new things. Now listen, church, we're not novices in this. We have a history of trying new things. Uh, some of you don't know our story, but we, we used to uh, rent the high school uh, uh, auditorium. And uh, uh, we said, we're going we're gonna to try something new. We're getting out of the high school, and, and uh, we bought this land. There are people in this room right now who stood with me when the driveway was in a different place and heard a, a real estate guy say, you'll never get this land. There are people in this room who heard that. You know why, what his problem was? He didn't know that we were people who tried different ways. He didn't know that he wasn't our only option. Church, we tried something new. Uh, uh, I don't ever want to do it again. We went, <laughs> we went through architects like ice cream salesmen. It was, it was ridiculous. Uh, uh, the, the architects couldn't 
sense. They didn't have our feel for this new thing we wanted to do. And we talked to them about Main Street out there, and we have this idea that uh, it's not hard to find your way through a church. You know, a lot of churches are like mazes. you got to wander through this hall to get to that hall to find this room. I said, we want a Main Street. Will you never get lost in this church? Uh, we had a vision for all this glass. Let the outside in and the inside out. And we, we, we just had a terrible time trying to find an architect who could dream this new thing with us. Church, was it worth it? Was trying something new worth it? Okay. <laughs> God is a God of fresh starts, new beginnings, and new approaches. And we glorify him when by faith we try something new. Our dear Heavenly Father, I hope in you. Uh, I'm glad that you are a God who invites us into this kind of innovative living. I'm glad that you are not a God who uh, uh, sticks us with routine and uh, uh, we simply drag ourselves from one boring day to the next. I am delighted that you are an innovative and creative God. And I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be at work in all of our hearts and this innovative spirit this try new things spirit, it would, it would make sense to us. And as individuals, as a home, and as a church, we might continue to be on the cutting edge of the new things you're doing in the world. And I ask it in Jesus' name.